Welcome back to another edition of the Boilers Extra Podcast as we head toward the end of July, move into August, and that means football practice starts for Purdue coming up on August 2nd, uh, and everything uh, will get back to the way that I think you want it. Sports going on. Uh, Big Ten Media Days finished up this past Tuesday and Wednesday, and that's the unofficial end uh, to summer for sports writers. Uh, then everyone moves into practice mode, and before you know it, know it, uh, Penn State and Purdue are going to kick off at Ross Age Stadium on September 1st, just after 8 o'clock, and the football season will be underway. So what did we learn? What did we hear? And what do we think coming out of Big Ten Media Day? First of all, from Purdue's standpoint, um, there seems to be a growing belief among those who cover uh, the Big Ten that Purdue can and will be a player in the Big Ten West this year. If you saw the preseason media poll, which is done by media, uh, the Big Ten no longer uh, does its own uh, preseason poll. They've done away with it for years, and the Cleveland.com, which is also part of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, uh, they've been doing a preseason poll uh, for 12 years now, and if you look at how the voting went in the Big Ten West, uh, Purdue was fourth, uh, but they were closer to the top than they were the bottom, and that's not something you say every year. I think they were six voting points away from third, but 30 points, uh, 30 voting points away from fifth. Uh, so there, there is a belief, and then as you know, as I walked around and talked to people, uh, the two days in Indianapolis, there's a, uh, there's a, there's an optimism about Purdue, and maybe they can stay in that conversation a little bit longer, go deeper into the season as a, as a contender, and that's. That, that's kind of along my lines of thinking about what this team potentially could be, even though they lost David Bell, you lost George Karloftis, and you lost some other players. You know, I think the transfer portal will pay dividends again for Purdue, um, where they're they're going to be able to, you know, maybe one player can't overcome the loss of Karloftis or Bell, but multiple players can. Like for example. Uh, no one's going to replace David Bell, but maybe the production of David Bell is handled by Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy, two Iowa transfers who's going to play the receiver position. You know, Tracy's also going to see some time uh, in the backfield as a running back. But I think that's how Purdue tries to get through this season uh, is looking at multiple guys to, to make up for for some of the losses. Now, on the defensive line, you're going to have a lot of a lot of players there, uh, and no one's going to get double or triple teamed like George did last year. So, your production's going to come from a host of players, and I think they're in a position right now, uh, if my math is correct, to to potentially be three deep on the defensive line at all the positions, and that allows you to stay, you know, stay more engaged, stay fresh as you get to the second half. Uh, of every game and you know still have the impact you had 
in the first quarter and, and also in the in the fourth quarter. But we'll get we'll get more into the nuts and bolts of uh, the start of practice next week when we when we preview the start. Uh, you know, as I said, Purdue will start practice on Tuesday. Uh, in NCAA allows you to start practice 29 days before your first game, so that's that's what will happen. But uh, regarding Big Ten Media Day, you know, you have the return of Aiden O'Connell, which gives which gives uh, people who who follow this optimism that you know Purdue will continue to put up good numbers on offense. You know, most of the offensive line is back, and they have a lot of experience. So all these things are adding up. To, to where Purdue uh, should be uh, in the conversation to, to challenge for that West, the West title. Now, if they lose the first game against Penn State, doesn't mean they won't uh, be in that conversation, but a win kind of springsboard them into uh, being there uh, t- toward, toward the end of the season. So there's a lot of uh, optimism about Purdue, a lot of belief about Purdue, uh, and every year the West is, it appears the West is up for grabs. Uh, you know, I think Nebraska will be better uh, this year with the number of transfers they brought in. Well, uh, they need to be better because if they're not, Scott Frost will not be around uh, much longer. Uh, so they, they need to be be better. You know, Wisconsin is going to be Wisconsin. Iowa is going to be Iowa. Minnesota has kind of carved out its place uh, in the West uh, as a contender, uh, based on the style of play, based on their recruiting, based on you know a lot of factors. So each team has kind of you know put itself in a position, and it's just a matter of which one can can be there uh, at the end. Uh, and again, I think Purdue uh, has some support in that area, probably more support than they've had uh during Jeff Brom's uh, tenure, when you when you just look at the preseason, when you look at how your you know how things may shake out, I think this is the first year where uh, there's a bigger belief uh, about Purdue, uh, and I, and, I, and and when you listen to the players and talk to the players, that comes out as well. But anyway, that was the the thoughts from uh, from Media Day there. Uh, so. Uh, we'll see how that plays out elsewhere. You know, around Media Day at Ohio State, obviously the uh, the clear choice to win the um, the East. You know, Michigan was there, Penn State's there, um, and then you know Michigan State, based on what Mel Tucker has done, he, you know they're going to be in the conversation, and then everybody else is kind of where they're at. So um, that was kind of the thoughts from at least the the playing standpoint from Big Ten Media Day. Obviously the. The overriding headline from Big Ten Media Day is, you know, what's next in the expansion world? What's next for the Big Ten? They have their TV rights coming up. Um, should be settled here in the next month or so. Um, obviously, the addition of UCLA and USC have changed that a little bit as far as, you know, what the Big Ten can get, um, and they're going to get they're going to get and probably the most surprising news out of the Big Ten media day regarding expansion and TV rights is that uh, USC and UCLA will get full shares out of the gate that has not been the case um, when Nebraska came in that was not the case when Rutgers and Maryland came in Uh, there was transition periods there for for all three of those schools all three 
all three were different in how they did it and how the Big Ten did it, but there was always a transition period there. But for UCLA and for USC to come in with full shares out of the gate, uh, to me that tells me that um, this TV contract uh, is going to be a whopper. Uh, you know, a billion dollars has been thrown around, and that's probably the low end now. Uh, because if UCLA and USC are getting full shares, the other 14 schools aren't taking less. If you if you follow what I'm saying, they're not going to give up any money just so those two can have full shares. They're getting full shares. They're going to get the same as everybody else. And what those numbers will be will be you know obviously interesting to follow and we may not have a clear idea what those numbers will be you just can't take the value of the tv contract and divide it by 16 yeah i mean you just you can't that's not how it works that's just not how it works because the payments increase every year you, you're gonna you know this is just an example if you start out at 75 million dollars a year per school well, that's going to go up in year two of the, of the deal, and it depends how long the deal is. And then you're going to go from 75 potentially to 80, 80 to 85, so on and so forth. So, you know, as as things go on, the deal increases to to cut to stay connected to inflation and other other rising costs that that happen in any business. So, you you just can't. You know, if if it's a billion dollar deal, you just can't take a billion times sixteen and say, "Oh, that's what each school is going to get," because it's that's not how uh, that part of it's going to work. There, the numbers of a hundred million has been thrown around per school per year. If that's the case, um, that would probably come near the end, but you know, it could be at the beginning as well. Um, so it's there's going to be a lot more money there. And no one's surprised by that. And that's why expansion was done. It wasn't done for any other reason. And don't be fooled by any what anybody says. You know, it, it was done for the money. If USC and UCLA did not bring the value from a media rights standpoint, it, it wouldn't have happened. It's plain and simple. You know, USC and UCLA called the Big Ten and said, we want to join. Or what do we have to do to join? The Big Ten reached out to its TV partners and said, okay, how much are they worth? And then and then that's when it all started, and that's where we're going to end up. And they wouldn't be coming in if the, if the value wasn't pretty high. And although I don't think they have the final numbers yet, um, it, it's going to be substantial. And it's just, it just is. Uh, but anyway, with, with expansion, um, the, the whole theme of the Big Ten Media Day was like, well, who's – Who's next? What's what's going to happen next? And to me, it's pretty simple. You know, Notre Dame is the is the is the one school that could spur a huge round of expansion or just keep things the way that they are. Uh, and the other element of this is the upcoming college football playoff and how that looks. Uh, but Notre Dame is the key. Notre Dame is the whole key. If they want to stick to independence. Uh, then I don't think much will happen in the expansion world uh, because there's nobody, and you know I, w- I would say that we probably said this after Rutgers and Maryland, and 
and, and, and then after when Oklahoma and Texas went to the SEC, there's probably nobody out there that, that can bring that kind of value. Now, you know, we were probably wrong a little bit because you, you, USC and UCLA bring that kind of value with the, the large media market and everything else, but it never seemed realistically re- realistic because of the, the distance uh, between uh, LA and the Big Ten. You know, at least when the Big Ten expanded before, they, they they stayed connected geographically from Nebraska to Rutgers, Maryland. The states were connected. You you still felt you were in the Midwest or in the East a little bit, and you know there was you still had that. But now that has been blown out of the water, uh, and that's one reason I don't I don't like it. That I don't like it, this expansion is because you you've lost you've lost that connection. I think geographically and you know in the Big Ten is clearly a national conference now they, they go from coast to coast and um, and that's you know that's just the way that it's 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 going to be uh, but I think you lose a lot with that but you know again money drives everything but back to Notre Dame you know if they decide to make a move the natural landing spot is the Big Ten uh, but um, do they want to do that? When do they want to do that? You know, they 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 need to have access to the college football playoff. If that somehow closes on them, then they will they will be in a conference and they will probably be in the Big Ten because they can't they can't go to the SEC. You know, not with what they say about their high academic standards and all that kind of stuff. They can't they can't go to the SEC and look in the mirror and be be happy with it. So they have to come to the Big Ten. That's just that's just the way that I I think that happens. Now, I, I think if if somehow if the Big Ten could get Notre Dame, then I think there are some schools that come along for the ride. And to be <laughs> to be honest, you could get Notre Dame, and then you could bring Ivy Tech, Harrison College. Uh, Indiana Wesleyan or whoever you want and you're going to get the same value because Notre Dame carries the value flag there for, for everybody. So if, if somehow the the Big Ten would get Notre Dame then I could see a scenario where you're probably going to bring in Stanford, Oregon, and Washington at that point and then you go to 20. Um, I, I do think those West Coast schools are looming out there. Um I don't think the Pac-12 uh, is in it. Will be in, will be around in the long term. It will be in the short term. Now they're doing their media rights uh, negotiations right now, and I'll be curious to see what they get. I mean, it's just not a stable uh, situation. Uh, but we also could be talking five, six, seven years down the line before any any of this happens. And you know, with the college football playoff. That will be a telling sign whether Notre Dame can 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 get in anywhere. You know, as long as their access stays where it's at, you know, Notre Dame will stay independent, and and that that's something that they'll hold on to uh, forever. Uh, but once if that closes, then they'll they'll have to make a move, and that that could be several years down the line, and some you know. Maybe maybe trying to read the tea leaves a little bit, 
look to see how long the Big Ten's TV deal is going to be, uh, because that could spur another another round of expansion. If you go back through history, uh, when TV deals are close to being up, is usually when uh, these things happen. Now, it's not always, because I think Nebraska came in at the middle to end of a TV deal with the Big Ten, Rutgers and Maryland. You know, I don't, I don't know if it came at the end, but those, that's, that's when these things happen. And so, you know, look at the timeline of the Big Ten's New Deal, um, and that could kind of create a pathway to when something might happen next. But also, I think the college football playoff situation will, will go to that. And what happens with that? Is it going to be eight, twelve, sixteen teams? The SEC wants everyone to be an at-large team, which fits into what Notre Dame would want. Uh, the Big Ten has wanted automatic qualifiers, which on the surface makes a lot of sense. You win a conference, you should be in the playoff. I, I don't think it's that hard, but the SEC believes that for an at-large situation, they're going to get more teams in because they feel like they're superior to everybody. And, you know, and on the field, they have been. I don't think you can deny that. But, again, you're leaving it to a group of people to make that decision instead of deciding it on the field. You know, at least in the NCAA basketball tournament, you have a chance to to play your way in. Uh, And I think that should be the case uh, with with the college football playoff. But it it also depends how many conferences are still around. If you don't have a Pac-12, if you don't have a Big 12, and if you don't have an ACC, then you know you're just picking from Big Ten and SEC schools at that point. Uh, so uh, that that's another situation that's going to have to get resolved uh, down the line. I mean, a 16-team playoff, I think, would be fine. You play a couple rounds at home, and then you move into some of the bowl games. Uh, Twelve teams would you you know would would fit that a- as well. And then anybody that doesn't get in the playoff can go play in the Poulan Weed Eater Bowl and all those bowls that'll be that that'll be out there. Uh, so you know, I, I don't think the movement of college athletics is done. I think we're going to see more down the line, and just always keep keep an eye on the TV contracts because that that, that will kind of tell you uh, the stability of conferences. And sometimes you have too much stability, like the ACC. I mean, their their contracts through twenty thirty six. You know, the Big Ten may negotiate two more TV deals before that's up. And you know, schools can't leave the ACC without a big penalty because of grants of rights. They they you sign away your TV rights even in the future if you would decide uh, to leave. So uh, again, a lot of moving parts. But I you know I I think really good lawyers could get out of those. ACC rights, and as the years go by, the penalty decreases to a point where schools would not be fearful of absorbing any kind of uh, uh, financial penalty. But, uh, you know, again, I think uh, more movement's coming, whether that's going to come in the next five years, six years, seven years, I probably won't be around to to opine about it uh, <laughs> coming up. But I, 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 I still think I, you know, and I think, you know, and I, and I think having more conferences is better. I think having the variety and having, 
having the, the, the connection to conferences is good, but I also see the value of just having two, two conferences from a, um, from being able to get things done standpoint, create your own NIL rules, create your own enforcement rules, create, you know, a lot of things that, that you bring into, in, into your own house and are able to dictate and, uh, you know, regarding the number of scholarships that you give, regarding the number of people you can have on staff and uh, all that. All, all these things are decided, you know, by the NCAA. Uh, and, you know, and football needs a czar. They need, they need a commissioner of football to, to really manage the sport and, and, and get done what needs to be done instead of going through the minutia of the NCAA uh, and waiting for their board to to approve or not approve something, um, so um, I think that's where the sport needs to go. And in reality, all the sports need that. They're, the all the sports need their own commissioner, need their own people in charge, so they can fast track rule changes through and, and deal with you know things that come up. That you know the NCAA board, they're not versed in track and field and soccer and all that kind of stuff. Let, let put people in charge that know those sports and understand the rules and understand the needs of those sports. Every sport's unique and different, and they, you know, and they have, you know, you just can't throw a blanket over over sports and just say the, these are the rules for everybody. Uh, football should have different rules, different, you know, bylaws, different enforcement rules, uh, and you know, and how you deal with NIL uh, and to deal with the transfer portal and letting everybody transfer free for (laughs) after every season is just insane but it does happen in I think 14 sports where you can move freely without having to sit out so if if they if those sports can do it why can't basketball and football and some of those other sports do it Uh, it it doesn't make sense on some level but uh, you, you it forces coaches to continue to to re-recruit their own players, um, and it makes roster management very very difficult. Uh, but uh, we're in an age of um, the athletes having a larger voice and being able to do things they want to do, um, things that they feel are right, um, and you know, and that that's not going backward. That is only going forward, and I, I'm sure that you saw. Some stories uh, heading into Big Ten Media Day about potential uh, unions for college af- athletes and college football. Um, I don't know where that's going to go. Um, you know, they tried to downplay it at Big Ten Media Day, saying it's not union and all that. And I've always said that once athletes, whether they're football, basketball, or whatever, once athletes can figure out a way to get a piece of each school's media rights money, the TV money, then I think that's a game changer for college athletics. I think that's something that uh, moves everybody into a, a new uh, a new level uh, because now. Uh, Schools would have to set aside some of those, some of that money, to to pay their athletes. Now, the, the they would pass on the cost to 
the ESPNs, the Fox, the CBSs of the world to make sure that they had enough. But athletic departments don't want to give up that money. You know, they have budgets. They've created budgets. They have employees. Uh, they don't want to give up that money. And, you know, if it is, if, if a school gets $100 million a year from media rights and all that kind of stuff, what's setting aside two, three, four, five million to, to pay your athletes. Probably, you know, probably not, probably wouldn't put a big dent in it, but it's more of the, the, the principle of it. And, and if that, if that happens, are athletes now employees and what comes along with being an employee? Uh, it's a whole host of, of, of things. Uh, some, some are good, some are bad. Those that are employees now at your workplace, you know, you have rules you have to follow. And it's a different, you know, it's a different situation. I think it's a different level that I don't think people that around that are around college athletics want to see happen. But it just opens up a whole new situation for everybody involved if um, if that ever comes to fruition. Now, you know, the Northwestern thing a few years ago never got off the ground. We'll see if this gets off the ground. Uh, you know, the, the Penn State quarterback, Sean Clifford, has had a conversation or two with the Big Ten commissioner. But in anything, there'll be, you know, there'll be a give and take. Um, there'll be a give and take if that ever gets to that point where, okay, you want the TV money, but here's what, here's what we're going to need from you. You know, non-compete clauses. Because uh, that happens every day in the business world, right? You go, you go to work somewhere. Okay, well, you know, you signed a two-year contract. You have a non-compete clause if you leave before the end of the contract. It's like transferring. So, you, you know, there's there has to be a give and take in that situation. But we'll see if it gets there. But it's it's something that's going to be on the front burner for a while uh, because of these vast amounts of TV money that's coming in that the players feel like they should have and. They are the ones that are playing the game. They are the ones that are being shown on TV. They're the ones that have that have uh, helped, you know, bring a lot of money into athletic departments, and, and you can see where they should have a piece of that. All the money they're getting now through NIL comes from outside the athletic department. It comes from, you know, it's private money. It's Donor money, it's you know the money through the collectives, but it's not it's not the athletic department's money. It's not the TV money. And if they have to add another line in their budget every year, so they they pay their athletes. And where does it stop? Does only football and men's basketball players get paid because they are the revenue sports? Does or does in produce case all four hundred and fifty seven athletes get get paid? Um, and that's that's the number of athletes they had, you know, last year. So do all 457 get paid, or do all thousand get paid at Ohio State, and Penn State? Um, so we'll see. And then you have Title IX implications and gender equity and all these other fabulous things that you have to to work through to to make sure that everything is is right. But we're we're probably still a ways away from that really coming. Uh, to reality, but this is something uh, uh, to keep an eye on as uh, we move through uh, 
um, all this. And I'm, I'm very happy I'm getting toward the end of doing all this because it's really zapped a lot of the enthusiasm to cover college sports because there's just so much happening off the field. And it's not like play, you know, it's not like players get in trouble or anything like that. It's just there's just so much off the field that takes away from what happens on the field. Uh, and to me, that's unfortunate. Now that you know they play the games and and you know everyone watches and all that kind of stuff, but it's there's just so much now that is happening off the field that it kind of spoils uh, you know game day in a way and game day now probably becomes the safe haven for for people that enjoy the sport because that's what all you got everything else leading up is about NIL it's about transfers it's about conference expansion it's about you know whatever uh, so you know the the enthusiasm for this is really really starts to drain on people to be honest and I'm kind of glad I'm getting toward the end of it because it's not it's not what it's not what it was this is not old man on the lawn stuff it's just it's just not what it was and I think a lot of people share that every day college athletics moves closer to the pros and there will there will come a day when there'll be the only difference will be that college athletics, college athletes will have to actually go to class where pro athletes don't unless you're Arizona quarterback who had that clause in his contract that he had to, had to study four hours a week, study the, the game, the game plan or the, uh, the offensive system, you know, four hours a week, although that got, that got taken away because it was stupid. That was just to, to think that he, he wasn't studying would, you know, really be ludicrous. But anyway, uh, that's a little on the uh, soap opera uh, for me. Uh, as we said, Purdue will start uh, football practice coming up on Tuesday. I would anticipate uh, those practices the first week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday probably being open to, to people. Uh, obviously, Friday is the fan day, so that'll be open inside the stadium. But I think the the ones that other that week will be will be open as well, then I would anticipate uh, uh, Jeff Brom and company shutting things down uh, after that and then um, getting into, you know, as you get closer uh, to the season. They'll have a couple scrimmages uh, during during their preseason camp um, as they normally do uh, to kind of get a gauge. And, again, we'll, we'll dive a little bit more deeper into – you know what to watch for in camp and all that kind of stuff coming up early next week is uh we'll do another one of these uh podcasts to to, to get things uh going anyway we appreciate you stopping by um questions concerns comments feel free to reach out we'll try to we'll try to do that try to do a better job of that I always say that but you know I'll try to hold myself accountable uh as well uh so have a have a good weekend, uh, last weekend of July, and then uh, next week it's August, and uh, 
you know, Purdue will be up and running and uh, and ready to to get uh, things going uh, ahead of the 2022 season. All right, have a good day. Thank you.